It is the eighth coming up to seven minutes to eight this Friday morning. Time for the UK report. Adam is out. John Adderley is back with us again. Hi, John. A revival of grammar schools. Gee, that's going full circle, isn't it? Well, that's what people are saying. Well, apparently it won't be going back to the past. So, so quite intriguing. That's what many people fear. And it definitely is opening a can of worms because although we do have grammar schools in certain pockets of the country they have largely died out over the last 40 years certainly there haven't been any new ones for decades and that's what grammar school girl theresa may is proposing new grammar schools but a new way of doing things they gave some details yesterday and theresa may is going to give a big policy speech uh, this morning on this and she's going to address the the big concern that people have uh, that it, that it uh, could be a return to winners and losers and successes and failures. The government says that won't be the case. Uh, of course, the, the reason people say that is because you do have uh, a selection. You have a, an exam at age 11, those that pass go to grammar school, those that don't don't get to go. The Prime Minister's argument is that you've got a form of selection already in the system because you've got selection by house prices. Uh, you know, the best schools uh, clearly will attract high house prices and only the wealthy families can afford to live near a good school. What the Prime Minister is going to say is there'll be a new system, so it's not going back to the past, but there'll be a way of um, making sure that those who might not otherwise afford to go uh, to grammar school, uh, more deprived, less well-off families with the bright kids are able to do well. So she says it's about increasing choice, allowing uh, the brightest kids to thrive. Others will say uh, that it is still uh, selection. It's going to be uh, very emotive. The government understands that. But Theresa May, you know, it's one of the things that she particularly wants to do. She's stamping her own, uh, you know, her own character and policies on what the government's doing. Wow, that goes to the whole heart of the different philosophies between Labour and Conservative. And the House of Parliament might face a catastrophe. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, we've known for some time that um, the Palace of Westminster is in danger of, well, literally crumbling away, really. I mean, it looks great from the outside, of course, Big Ben and all that, but you don't need to get up too close, actually, to see that the stonework is crumbling, there are leaky roofs, there's dodgy wiring and electrics, stacks of asbestos in the roof, dangerous stuff, of course. Um, they've got to do something about it. They can't um, turn a blind eye anymore, says this report, uh, and they put it as starkly as as they possibly can, as you, as, as you mentioned there. Cat- catastrophe is what awaits them if they don't act. I don't know, maybe a, a huge fire or, or a huge flooding or something. They say, look, you're just going to have to take a deep breath and move out and let us do the job properly, spend £4 billion on it. They haven't done much restoration for the last 60 years. So if you want the Houses of Parliament, the mother of all parliaments, to stand for at least another <laughs> 60 years... Just move out to a different... There are plenty of other buildings in the area. They could hold their meetings in for however long it takes, a year or two, possibly a little bit more, and then move back in, and we can keep the Palace of Westminster for generations to come. But time's run out. Can't put it off any longer, they say. Oh, and it's going to cost millions and millions. And, of course, there's been great debate about the Great Plague of London, what it actually was. It's now finally been confirmed. Yeah, and it's another triumph for um, DNA testing. Um, it's finally confirmed the, the identity of the bacteria responsible for this great plague, killed off nearly a quarter of Londoners back in 1665. Um, they had their suspicions that it was this bacteria Yersinia pestis, but you know what scientists and archaeologists are like, they really want to be able to pin it on this bacteria to know for certain. What's allowed them to do it is uh, largely uh, the the digging they've been doing under London for Crossrail, new uh, railway uh, line, so they dug deep under the streets of London, they've come across a mass grave of thousands of skeletons which are obviously laid there 
uh, after the Great Plague. So they had plenty of evidence to go on. And yes, they finally decided they've got enough evidence to, to pin the blame of the Great Plague on this uh, nasty bacteria, uh, Yersinia pestis, which doesn't pose any threat now, by the way, with these skeletons being on Earth, because apparently it doesn't live underground for anyone of a nervous disposition who thinks we might uh, have uh, might have another great plague on our hands. So there we are, another triumph for science and archaeology <laughs> and history. Is is the bacteria? I mean, is that part of bubonic plague? Is it bubonic plague, or is it different to what we call bubonic plague? Because that always got blamed, didn't it? The fleas and the rats and so on. Yeah, well, I, well, now you ask me a question probably for an archaeologist. I don't know. I think the, the rats will have carried the, uh, yes. the, the bacteria. So, yeah, I'm sure there's still a link. But okay. uh, the scientists will be able to explain more. Okay, unfair question, John. Thanks very much indeed. We can Google that and have a look, because I know a lot of people say there's no way that was bubonic plague. John Adderley with a UK report.